Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. I'm John Lyons, a filmmaker, teaching artist, and the executive director of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania. My name is Stuart Nash. I'm a filmmaker and the director of the Greater Erie Film Office. And my name is Megan Shoffrey. I'm a filmmaker and production coordinator at R. Frank Photography. This week we're previewing the 2019 Sundance Film Festival winner for Directing and Dramatic Special Jury Award, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, which is playing for the first time in Erie. This Wednesday is part of our film series, Film Grain Dinner and a Movie at the Bourbon Barrel. Our guests are filmmakers Shannon Ham and Corey Esper, and we're going to have a roundtable discussion. Can we do more to bring our creative talent back home? And don't forget, Saturday, September 14th, is Erie Tailgrate. The event starts at 2 p.m. at PACA, which is at 1505 State Street. Tailgrate will feature barbecue from the Q Abides. Mm. Right on, dude. Craft beers from Erie Aleworks. Mm. And a showing of the Big Lebowski. You must abide. <laughs> <laughs> Tickets are $25 pre-sale or 30 at the door. They include adult and child beverages. Those aren't the same beverages. Kids? <laughs> Big Lebowski-themed heavy hors d'oeuvres from the Cubides, of course, and a showing of the Big Lebowski. This is going to be an awesome event. Proceeds benefit the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania, Veterans Miracle Center of Erie, Side Project, Inc., and Emma's Footprints. Thank you to the folks at Side Project for their support. You guys are awesome. Film Grain Dinner and a Movie is our Wednesday night film series. The series is open to the public and takes place at the Bourbon Barrel, 1213 State Street, Erie, PA, on their big 16-foot screen. Seating options include four-seat leather couches in the front and back of the space and love seats and tables with high chairs. Dinner is buffet-style, and it's included with your admission. We have vegetarian options available each week and gluten-free upon request. The staff at the Bourbon Barrel provide table service all night long. Reserve your specific seat when you order online at filmsocietynwpa.org. John, which film has the spotlight this week? Thanks for asking, Meg. You're welcome. This Wednesday, September 11th, we're showing The Last Black Man in San Francisco, which is the first and probably only time in Erie on a big screen. This film's written, directed, and produced by first-time filmmaker Joe Talbot. Outside of the Sundance Awards that we mentioned at the top, this film also received great critical acclaim. It's got a 93% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and as we know, that is the be-all, end-all of critical ratings. I mean, come on. The story follows Jimmy Fales, who dreams of reclaiming the Victorian home his grandfather built in the heart of San Francisco, and he searches for belonging in a rapidly changing city that seems to have left he and his best friend Mont behind. It's a great look at male friendship, the importance of home and community, all wrapped in the portrait of a city. This will most likely be your only chance to see the film on the big screen. Don't miss it. It's one of the year's best. Okay, we're joined with Shannon Ham and Corey Esper here. Thanks for showing up, guys. Appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks Absolutely. for having us. Thank you. So, Shannon, let's start with you. Uh, tell me a little bit about your background and your start in Erie. Okay, well, um, I was born and raised in Erie, lived in the same house my whole life until I turned 18 and was like, I'm headed to the big city to become a musical theater Broadway actor, which, you know, that lasted for two years of conservatory, and then I was like, 
eh, not too sure this is what I want to do. Um, and a really good friend of mine started film school um, at Marymount in New York City, and she invited me to come on uh, as an extra, actually, with Corey. Um, and we got to set, and I was fascinated by the process, how many hours it took to shoot something that in the end only ends up being like 30 seconds long, um, just the collaborative effort of everyone on set, and that was kind of the birth of my love for filmmaking and being on set and acting in that way. Um, so fast forward a little bit, I started auditioning for student films and doing background work on some of the major network shows in New York. Um, and I ended up working on The Good Wife, uh, which is a CBS episodic for six seasons. Oh, and wow. that was kind of my film school because, you know, going to conservatory for theater, you know, you learn theater. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I just watched and took in everything that I could. and. Um, was fascinated by Juliana Margulies and Chris Noth and Alan Cumming and just how they as actors on set could so quickly run from one thing to the next. And, you know, coming from theater, it takes forever and you rehearse the same thing over and over again to do the same thing over and over again. And it was a different thing every single day. And that was so cool to me. And then probably... Near the end of that show, maybe the last season or so, um, I started working at the Actors Green Room in New York, which is an actors networking studio. So basically they provide on-camera classes with casting directors, agents, managers for actors to get to know people in the industry that can move their careers ahead. Through that, we started a short film challenge, um, and I wasn't running it at the time, but I was participating. So that's kind of how I got my feet wet in producing and producing my own content. And someone uh, asked me if I wanted to actually take over and run the whole thing, so I did. The Actors Green Room? The Actors Green Room. Okay. Um, their short film challenge. So it evolved over the years. It was a short film challenge and then it became a screening series. Um, And what we would do is every month uh, people would get together with fellow actors um, who also were learning how to produce, how to run the camera, how to do everything themselves um, and do things on a shoestring budget. Um, And then we would screen every month and then the top films from each month would go on to a best of panel, we called it, and then every quarter the top eight films would be screened with casting directors, agents, and managers. So now actors are doing their own stuff and then having their work seen by agents and casting directors and managers instead of just going in and, you know, reading a scene and calling it a day. Right, and it goes nowhere, kind of. Exactly. But this is great because you're networking. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, and obviously, you know, you're learning by, you know, baptism by fire. You're being thrown into the mix and you're figuring out what it takes to to bring a crew together and to shoot a film and to edit it and to get it ready to screen for an audience in a very short amount of time. And this is all in New York, right? Yes. Yeah, my true film school didn't exist until I actually started working in the industry. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, Corey, what about you? uh, Give us a little background on you. Uh, My name's Corey Esper. I'm originally from Erie, Pennsylvania. I graduated from McDowell. You know, it's funny. I met Shannon through one of her friends here, and I was going to Mercyhurst uh, College for a little bit, and I kind of was just like, I need to do something different. And I literally moved up with two suitcases uh, and got on the Amtrak and uh, moved in with Shannon in the Bronx, New York. And now I got kind of started in film, obviously, from Shannon being an actress and going to conservatory. I did background in the film she mentioned from her friend from Marymount. We actually had to, like, make out um, in that scene. 
uh, which I was kind of a little weird about because I was like pre relationship. <laughs> yeah, before you were dating or what? We were dating, um, but I was like, this is kind of like weird. people are gonna see this. Yeah, people yeah. like, and it's, I mean, it was like a party scene if I remember. Yeah, were you correctly. acting or was it genuine? <laughs> Are you a professional? Or wait a second, are we crossing the line? Okay, anyway. I was acting. I don't know about him. I was a little nervous. And then, um, you know, I've always had a love for uh, TV and film. You know, I remember spending time with my grandma watching, like, old Marlon Brando movies. And and that's kind of, like, it piqued my interest. And I did background as well. I was, you know, I was portraying a high school student in a Law and Order episode. In another Law and Order episode, I was like a frat boy getting arrested. And then on Blue Bloods, I was having a hand, like, shaking cocaine. Um, and, but I learned a lot. I took a lot from that. Because you see, from, not only from the actor standpoint, but from the crew standpoint. And, you know, everyone here knows what goes on on the set. But people watching, they're like, oh, you can just pick up a camera and shoot. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, that scene probably took four or five hours just alone, you know, for... Right. Law and Order. That's yeah. awesome because that's one of my favorite series <laughs> Yeah, it's, it I mean, was every a... Every offshoot of it, too. Yeah, it was right? Law and Order uh, SVU, and I remember coming out, they were like, you got to look like a frat boy, and, and, like, you know, hair and makeup comes over and, like, styles my hair, and it's, like, waking up from a party before, so I think I just was in, like, a button-down and boxers in the middle in New York City by Central Park. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, this is cool, I guess. So the things we do for film. <laughs> yeah. So talk to me a little bit about Young and Married. What is oh, that? Wow. <laughs> what, is, what is that? Throwback. Throwback. Um, so, uh, you know, in all of my random gigs in New York City, I was doing this online game show called um, Reality School Game Show Teen Edition on YouNow.com. Um, and I was basically hosting this show every week, and I would bring these teenagers on, and I would give them, you know, it was like the cinnamon challenge, and you know, all these <laughs> yeah. weird things that people would do on YouTube. Um, and through that, I, I got a membership to realitywanted.com. It's like a commercial here. Um, and basically, they send out breakdowns for reality TV. And uh, we saw something like an open call for this young and married thing. Yeah, and you had, texted me. Yeah, we'd been engaged for, what, four years yeah. at this point, yeah. and we had no plans on when we were getting married, where we were getting married. We are just like, we're just living our best lives. It's going to be fine. So they reach out to us after this open call. We were going to go. We didn't go to the open call. Fast forward. I get a phone call from this woman from their casting, and they're like, hey, we want to interview you. You know, we saw your profile. Can we talk to you further? Spoke to her for about an hour. She asked to talk to Corey. And then it just kind of spiraled. We were like, okay, I guess we're getting married in six weeks, and our wow. whole, both of our families are here. So we were like, we need to do this in Erie. It was an interesting experience because we had that interview. I was at work. Shannon texted me. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. It went by. We didn't hear anything. We did this interview. And then we had to do a Skype interview with a psychologist for like three hours. Wow. Do you drink? Are you crazy? Well, <laughs> yeah. And afterwards, when they like okayed that, we had to take, I, I'm probably getting this wrong. It was like the multi, Minnesota multi-personality test. Something like over a thousand questions. And they ask you stuff like that. They're like, do you drink? Do you smoke? And then it's like, what profession would you choose? And some of them are like, doctor, gardener. And I'm like, okay, well. Yeah, it's so random. It's it so would random. be like, do you like flowers? And then yeah. 10 questions later, would you like to be a florist? Yeah. So if they didn't match up, they were like, oh, this person might be a little crazy. Yeah, exactly. So, 
fast forward, they started filming us a little bit in New York. So what is that? Yeah, let's talk about the filming process. Yeah. Like, what, what was the duration that, I mean, there was a hard out, right? Right. Which yeah. was wedding day, I'm yes. assuming, yes. a week after. Yeah. yeah, so we got the call, and they were like, okay, so this is the date. They basically gave us our wedding date, which was six weeks from the day that they called us. And wow. we had nothing planned. So they gave you the date. Yeah. They gave, well, they gave us a weekend. Yeah, they gave us and, and you guys have to plan everything? Yes. Yeah. But they yeah. gave us some money towards it. So that was obviously well, cool. helpful. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Reality was, TV. Right. And it was cool because a lot of people in Erie were excited. A lot of yeah. the vendors that, you know, we used, ended up using, we were at the Bayfront Convention Center yeah. and um, DJ Henry GQ. And we used some independent uh, people for like our. Oh, Jennifer Photography. Yeah, Jennifer Photography yeah. and Flowers by Gwendolyn. All these people were so excited to have MTV and Erie filming their businesses. Um, so the process, they would kind of schedule time for us uh, when they were going to come and shoot us. And then we came back and forth here probably three Quite or four bit, times yeah. in those six weeks filming here at my parents' house, filming there, our day to day life, back here planning. And then, um, yeah, finally wedding day, August. 10th 2012 <laughs> seven years ago yeah. um, but it was cool because you know we really got to see um, the excitement that people had about you know a network coming to Erie and, and making something happen sure which was what we'll talk about uh, with our little roundtable discussion after we finish up with your background okay. yeah, that's exactly what's the greatest thing right now um, especially with technology you know right you can film anywhere absolutely exactly. Um, so obviously the conclusion was you guys got married. Yes, <laughs> um, we but the did. whole experience, like how many crews were following you? How many cameras were surrounding you at a time? How long was your days? Day to day, it'd probably be a couple of, like maybe four or five hours here and there. Um, it was primarily just one camera person and then they would mic us up. Um, Shauna. Yeah. Shout out to Shauna. <laughs> she was, uh, she's this Irish girl. And because uh, it was MTV International, so their the production company was based, I think, in London. Yeah, yeah. Men Mentor Media. Yeah, yeah, based in the UK. Um, but so she followed us around most of the times, and she was kind of served as the director, producer, camera person, and was kind of putting the story together of what they were going to shoot. Um, and then on the actual wedding day, there were two camera people and then a sound person. So it was very, oh, pretty small, very yeah, minimal, really small. but yeah. they got what they needed. Sure. So, um, and you know, we were just mic'd up with, you know, your basic yeah, lobs. Basic, and, yeah. and so that went MTV Europe? Yep, it went wow. MTV International. So it was MTV Europe, it was MTV Australia, MTV, Sweet. like everywhere. And then I don't know for sure. I've heard some people have seen us on like MTV2 here, like reruns, but they sent us a copy, which is now we've made our own version on Vimeo if you'd like oh, to check it out. Oh, I was going to ask where can we see it? Okay. Yes. All right, yeah. all right, all right. We'll put that in the notes, the okay. show notes at the, yeah. in the podcast. Um, we'll talk about a little bit of the uh, conservatory in NYC. Yeah, uh, the American Musical and Dramatic Academy. Um, I auditioned for them in Pittsburgh, actually. I'd never visited New York before I moved there, which is crazy to me now. Um, I just, I always knew that I wanted to perform. I wasn't sure why, you know, my parents put me in dance class when I was really young. I went to Long's here in Erie and was always performing at the Warner and did dance team in high school and the musicals. And, you know, we had such a small theater program that I had no clue what I was getting myself into. But I knew that I wanted to be in a bigger market, at least at the time, because technology from even then to now is so different. I oh, mean, yeah. I remember when I first finished school, I was looking in the newspaper of Backstage magazine and finding people's physical address to mail my headshots and resumes in, where, you know, now you can really 
go anywhere and get the training that you need and, um, you know, learn what you need to learn. But uh, it's cool because AMDA really takes professionals that are working in the field and those are your teachers. So you get a really good idea of, you know, what it's going to be like when you're out in the real world. You know, they push you that, you know, you're going to have long days. You don't sleep a lot. You're rehearsing when you're not in class. So it was pretty intense. But, you know, it made me who I am, I think, as a performer and as a producer because they really hone in on the business side of things as well and how you should be networking and how you should be treating everyone that you meet because, you know, it's a collaborative effort on all ends. And if you're going to be a diva, then yeah. that's not going <laughs> to last for long. I mean, some people get there and then become divas and then slowly over time, I mean, I've seen a few name actors who we won't name here. <laughs> who, oh, let's name them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who worked a ton and then all of a sudden they kind of go off the radar and you're like, oh, I wonder what happened to them. Well, they were probably an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that transition. Um, yeah. You're more producer now than you are actress, but I'm sure you wouldn't give up any roles if they were offered to you. Of but um, I'm more behind the scenes person too. So talk to me a little bit about producing and, and what do you see as uh, your experience there? Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting because I started producing so I could act more, so I could make my own stuff and control you know, all aspects. Yeah, not have well, to wait to around. Yeah. <laughs> do everything. Do but not have to wait for someone or, you know, I was auditioning and out doing network auditions and this and that and student films and I would I would see a lot of the times the student films that I would book or or I would, you know, work on or audition for, the end product was not what I wanted to show to the world. <laughs> so that's when I was like, I'm going to take this into my own hands. I'm going to find the people that I want to work with that I know are talented, that care, you know. Obviously, student films, there's a learning curve, of course. But as an actor, you have to have a really good reel to go out there to show what you can do. So that's kind of how the producing thing started. And then I started realizing, you know, people are like, you're really organized and you're really good at this. And it's like, well, I guess I am. And it just kind of started falling in my lap. And then people would start asking me, hey, can you produce my short film? Can you produce this film? Can you produce this pilot? Um, and then just this last year um, in June, a couple months ago, uh, well, it started around Christmas time. I was reached out to by someone who knew the uh, music designers that I work with a lot and they're looking for a line producer and they interviewed me and they really wanted me on board so I line produced my first feature in June and that wow. was what was that like that was a lot it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life yeah. um, but it was so worth it uh, I knew what needed to get done um, you know we were working under a very what was your time frame I was just gonna ask. yeah we were we shot for 16 days and we had a quarter of a million dollar budget which in New York City is Nothing. Nothing, literally. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we got a lot of really good people. I hired on a lot, if not most, of the crew that I had worked on shorts with. And those crew members are also trying to work more in features. And Tell me a little bit. You, we'd spoken about your studio space. Tell me. So that was that project, right? Yes. Yeah, so, yes. Yeah. So, or Corey, um, yeah, maybe you can talk about that because you were uh, oh, told me that story. Yeah, oh, the studio space. Uh, well, the, that was the film you guys just did, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, Union Square yeah. Last. I mean, it was pretty wild. Like, you know, I, I work a nine to five job um, and I was helping out on set when I can. And, you know, just being living in New York, you see how crazy it can be, let alone bringing a film crew in. So we'd be in Union Square Park the one evening. Uh, and our cinematographer, who's great, Gabe Mann, look his reel up. He's, he's awesome. Uh, you know, and that was kind of a challenge too, 
this is like his first narrative as well. And we have a sound guy, and he's used to run and gun because he shoots a lot of documentaries, films, and stuff. And he's running over, hopping over a fence. You know, we have people being really curious about what's going on and coming up to us. And so we're chasing him. And later that night, we go to Dumbo um, in the middle of nowhere um, and behind this hotel. And, you know, it just is to see, like, what can what you can do in that short amount of time and, like, everyone coming together was really awesome in my experience. Uh, and just that learning learning curve, too, for myself um, was great. What's Dumbo again? Dumbo's in Brooklyn. It's right, It's like right the first stop in Brooklyn, right on the waterfront. You can see the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh, you see in a lot of movies, I'm sure, when people are, uh, and even in this picture, people are walking. You'll see the background it's that of New York. Picture, yeah, it's that like classic picture of New picture, York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's Dumbo. So when you're shooting in New York, like, how hard is it to secure? Do you have to secure like every single location, or does it depend? Well, on where you're at like you just said you're behind some random hotel like do you have to right. that kind of stuff <laughs> well so here's the thing when you're working with a quarter of a million dollar budget in new york city um it gets a little difficult you know obviously right. with paying for locations because in a place like that you know they're used to having huge network tv shows and studio films coming in and offering them hundreds of thousands of dollars for one day of yeah. their location um so you know we found that with the permits in new york you can pretty much shoot anywhere you want. Um, you just have to make sure that you don't have sticks on the ground, they call it. So if you're not disturbing pedestrian traffic, if you're not putting a slider down or a dolly, um, you can have a boom, you can have handheld. Okay. So a lot of times we would do that because that was really the only option we had with right. the budget was to just kind of like, okay, we found, yeah, the, like Corey was saying, this random little, it looked like a forest behind this hotel, which is crazy <laughs> in New York. Um, but we went at like three in the morning when no one was out. Right. And it's like the things that you do to get the shot that you need when you have limited resources. But it's really yeah. cool, you know, when you have everyone working towards the same thing and people are, you know, saying what they need to say to this person while people are over there shooting that thing and you yeah. know but we we got it so like everyone's working towards that one goal exactly. how big was your crew uh we had about um maybe 15 to 20 people it was okay. pretty small um but you know we did what we had to do to get yeah. it done definitely so what was the name of that film that we're just talking about the reunion reunion yeah cool. so and can we find that any or what's the process where it's so in post, we probably yep we're in post right now we have a couple more weeks before we get our first um cut from our editor and then move forward um but i'm pretty sure fingers crossed that we will be probably premiering at the dubuque international film festival in iowa um our key producer susan Garrell. Uh, she runs that festival, and so we're going to be screening, you know, just to show everyone what's what's going on. Awesome. And talk about Dubuque Festival a little bit, because we were always, we're in the works of planning our own festival up here, and we always want to hear about other festivals. Yeah, um, I went for the first time this past, what was it, April? Mm-hmm. It's always the last weekend in April, I believe. Um, and it's just, Dubuque's this little, cool, small town. It's really similar to Erie, actually. Um, I'm not sure exactly how she got you know, so many I don't know people, either. but she's a wizard. She is, but I mean, the content there this year was incredible. Um, her husband works on a lot of really big films. He's you know worked on Transformers and Pirates of the Caribbean, and so he knows a lot of people in the industry. And I think that that is a draw. Um, but the festival itself was great. There were probably five or six different venues that they were screening. Each film screened at least four times. 
throughout the festival. So you always had a chance to see everything. Because that's sometimes when you go to a festival, you know that this film is only screening at this slot or, you know. and done. Yeah. yeah. So it was really cool that you were able to see, you know, there were different films playing at different times and multiple times. So you could see way more than you would at, you know, a usual festival. Um, they do awards just like everything else, but it's very low key in terms of like, you know, people don't get super dressed up or wild or crazy. Um, she had a block party on the first night, which was fun, brought in a live band, you know, their main street, they locked down and people were dancing in the street. It's a really good networking event too. There are people from all over the world there. Um, and yeah, it was, it was good vibes. Okay, let's transition now into our roundtable. Um, and our discussion is going to be about what can we do to bring back more creatives to the hometown of Erie. That being said, you guys have a script or a project that you're working on called Christmas Steve. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, uh, you know, I just being along <clears throat> my short span of working in film and television and working with Shannon, um, you know, Christmas Steve is from, you know, this really awesome his former child actor, Trevor Morgan, he was in uh, The Sixth Sense, uh, I think Jurassic Park 3, maybe. I could be wrong. If Trevor listens to this, I apologize. Um, uh, so he, you know, this was handed down to Susan and Shannon. And, you know, Susan asked Shannon, like, hey, I'm looking for this really small town from the script. Like, it's a family movie, family comedy movie. And Shannon just went, bing. That's our hometown, Erie. So... Uh, I mean, Shannon can explain a little more, but, you know, we want to bring that back to Erie. You know, we obviously talked about Undercover Billionaire and the spotlight that it, it put on an Erie in a, in a positive way. Right. Yeah. So, right. We want to ride that wave right now. Exactly. So without giving it away, though, um, because it's more the production aspect that right. I want to talk about, not necessarily the story right now. But yeah. what's what's the synopsis of uh, Christmas Steve? Um, Christmas Steve. Uh, it is this our lead character and his wife and family they're kind of you know just going by their day-to-day life and all of a sudden Steve his younger brother shows up at the door he's kind of like the black sheep of the family um Tyrus actually is uh he's a wrestler who is going to be playing the role uh he kind of comes in and chaos ensues and he kind of flips the family and everything upside down but makes Everyone that's been going their day-to-day life, you know, okay, we go to work, we come home, we go to work, we come home. He kind of just shows them a new side of what their life could possibly be, which, you know, it's through chaos, but um, it's exciting. And uh, the lead character, his company, it might be shutting down, so there's that in question. And Steve kind of empowers his brother to step up and uh, do something about it. So through comedy and family fun. (laughs) You're in pre-production now, so what kind of shooting schedule are you looking at? When do you think you might start shooting? What are you looking at as far as a budget? That's a really good question. Um, So we were originally looking at possibly shooting the end of this year, um, but I think just in terms of everything that needs to be done with production, we're looking now towards next June, which will be fascinating to shoot a Christmas movie in Erie, Erie, Pennsylvania in June. We we have have so much snow there. Right, of course. So we will be making fake snow (laughs) in June in Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, But yeah, we have a a reading of the newest script uh, that 
They just finished up the other day, next Friday in Chicago, because that's where Trevor lives. Um, and then, yeah, we're going to hope to get in here and do some location scouting and start talking to you guys more about the process of, you know, getting equipment rentals and, you know, all of the vendors and everything that we need to get moving along. Uh, right now, our budget's sitting around three and a half million, fingers crossed. <laughs> um, but, you know, doing it here, it might actually cost us less. So that yeah, would be definitely. amazing. Are you still looking for investors? We are. We're looking for a few. Um, that's more. So Susan, who I worked on the reunion with, this is her baby with her husband. They're starting their own production company, and this will be one of the first out of the gate for them. Um, but she's definitely the one who's getting all that together. I don't want to speak too sure, much sure. on no, that. Sure, sure, that's fine. But if anyone's interested, of course, oh, I'm absolutely. sure we can put them in touch with someone. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Susan okay. Garrell, you can get her through me <laughs> or through you guys. <laughs> Do you hey, have... Oh, sorry. Okay, sorry. Do you, so as for crew, do you know, are you bringing a lot of people in? Are you hiring local? Like, how do you plan on, do you already have kind of a base crew that you work with? We, we do have a base crew, um, but we're fairly open. I definitely want to bring as many Eriates, is that the word? <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> as possible on board. I mean, it's definitely, uh, you know, you guys know what you're doing here. And I think it's cool to, if we can provide opportunities for people here, that's, that's huge, you know? This town is where we both were born and raised, and, you know, it's a place in my heart, and if we can help out and, and get things moving in the industry that we love so much here, then it's just, you know, it potentially to ha bring us back here would be amazing. Right. Um, I would love to be able to live here even part-time because I miss it, you know? New York is great for what it is, and. You know, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. So we can make it in Erie. <laughs> <laughs> so any, in the discussion of bringing uh, creatives back to Erie, um, what do you think we could do in Erie to help persuade people to come back? Well, I think that you guys are doing a lot. You know, even just having, we had drinks the other night and we discussed this a little bit. Just there's so much going on in terms of you guys are doing this weekly film series and um, I mean downtown is completely revitalized from when I was here. I mean I moved away what 12 years ago now. Um, I think that you know continuing to have the open arms for production you know obviously as a producer it's like okay where are we going to get this done and where are we going to get this done and you guys are making it easy for producers like me to come in and say hey we need a b c and d and you're like oh we know all the people to do that um you know in new york it's like if someone's as a producer and learning how to produce there it was kind of i had to figure it out i had to ask around and you know google and reach out to random people that i didn't know that i had no relationship with so it's really helpful yeah. that you guys have those relationships which then for me as a producer, makes my life so much easier because now it's like this trust that we've built, you know, that I have a need and you guys have something to fill that need here. I think personally, like kind of like social norms have changed dramatically over the years and the fact that it used to be always a competition and very cutthroat, but now it's like everybody kind of want to help, everybody wants to help each other out and kind of, you know, raise each other up because... The old model wasn't really working, so I think, you know, words of like you were saying, you know, we're able to help you get what you need for A, B, C, and D that, you know, really helps push along an industry like this in our region. Absolutely. And I think that that cutthroat kind of mentality is changing 
also because there are so many platforms and ways to view content. You know, before it was like, unless you were a studio or a network, you didn't have access to the cameras, you didn't have access to the crew. And now that we have all of these, you know, indie filmmakers making things happen and then going on to these big platforms that are seen internationally, it's like, you know, why not? There's space for everyone to make something to tell their story and there is an audience out there for that story. Yeah, definitely. Well put, well said. Thank you. Because <laughs> I can say too, you know, we do have a few people locally that are one man bands and they maintain that uh, focus. And, you know, uh, personally, I think they could widen their horizons a little bit because it would be fun to work with them and also perhaps you know you see good and bad points in people's work perhaps you could help them with some of the goods or the bad stuff sure. and you know then they can in return help you with some of your work so yeah absolutely yeah, yeah for sure um Corey, any thoughts or suggestions? No, I mean, Sh Shannon nailed it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of the quiet one, yeah. too. He, yeah, again, no, he likes to be behind, behind the camera. Behind the scenes. But no, I mean, to, to everyone's point, I mean, you, you those one-man bands, you can only go so far. And what you're doing is, you know, hopefully they can start to see a light being like, oh, well, I'm doing this by myself. What they have to offer, even like what the rental house here are telling me, you know, for all the all the nerds listening to this, like the Reds and Aries of the world are the, what you see, what is being filmed in your cinema large budget movies, and that's really cool to have that right in your backyard in Erie to go rent and make a make a beautiful film and, and learn. So I think that's just I think that's awesome. Yeah, the access to camera equipment nowadays, uh, like top of the line camera equipment. I haven't I've seen more Alexa Ari Alexa cameras <laughs> on set in the last two years yeah. than I have ever seen in my entire life. It's crazy. Yeah, it really and those is. are the top of the line. Everybody wants to shoot on them. You're gonna pay for it, but yeah. yeah. But step a little bit step down to a red, which is what we have at the Greater Erie Arts Rental. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean it's incredible. Yeah, it's it's really cool, and and that's also. People can learn from that too. You can rent that camera, and even if you don't have an experience with it, you can learn from that, and that's what's really awesome about having that rental house right here. Instead of worrying about being like, oh, well, do I have to take a loan out to buy this camera? Because I can't rent it, or do I have to drive down, you know, right, a couple or a hours training away? class to how to operate it? Yeah. I remember someone first told me, oh, you're gonna need a PhD to operate that thing. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, really? <laughs> no, you really and don't. Like, <laughs> and then I got my hands on one, yeah. and I'm like, wow, yeah. this is awesome. It's very simple, it's, it's yeah. push, touch everything. Yeah, that's so. part of the learning curve is, you know, the, these one-man bands, you kind of want to hope that, okay, they take their hands with that and being like, oh, well, this can open an opportunity for me because I, I have that experience now. I, I know how to do this. People will want to hire me or I can be a B cam on, on a feature film or a documentary. So I think, I think that's great what you guys are doing. And that's one of my favorite parts about this industry is that, you mm -hmm. know, and not knocking film school. I mean, if people go to film school, that's amazing. But I think that there's so much to be learned in the process. And I have never met someone on set that wasn't willing to teach someone that wanted to learn something. Yeah. And that's the thing that I love so much about this industry is it's just like, you don't know how to do something and someone else does, like they will show you because that's most of the time how they learned. It's right. kind of passed right. right. down. Yep. Um, and, you know, as Corey was saying, with the cameras, with the technology now, it's like we have access to these cameras, you know, just, what, 20 years ago, maybe not even, 
everything was still being shot on actual film, which is expensive. And now it's like we can shoot things digitally. We can delete things if they don't work. We can, you know, it's just. Actors can see instantly their performances, right. which yeah. is really crucial. It's, yeah. it's just incredible. <laughs> and I, I know as we continue to move forward with our technology in this industry and, you know, get more people like you folks that want to help each other and build each other up and, and make a cool community and team of people that makes art. I mean, we're all, I think, on this planet, all of us as human beings are artists. It's just tapping into it. Well, I want to thank you guys for being here today and talking with us, um, especially about how we can bring creative talent back to Erie. We like to think of us as a film-friendly region, very economically uh, inexpensive to film in. Um, cost-friendly. Yes, yeah. cost-friendly. Good word. As good my word. friend would say, honey, in this economy. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so that's been our episode. You can buy tickets for The Last Black Man in San Francisco and the rest of our September through December programming, including our annual Halloween fundraiser, A Nightmare on State Street at filmsocietynwpa.org or at the door the day of the event. Next week, we have filmmaker Taylor Pratch from the Free to Choose Network, and on September 30th, Brad Ford and Chris Risto from the Erie Art Gallery. Make sure you follow us on social media. You'll find all of our tags and links in the show notes for this episode. Until next time, this was Film Grain. This podcast is produced by Edinburgh University's Center for Branding and Strategic Communication. It's part of the Northwest Pennsylvania Innovation Beehive Network.